a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 17, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, issue number four. It's Ben, Ben Avery again, and uh, we're here for another episode of Comic Book Time Machine, specifically part of the Comic Book Time Machine Marvel Cosmic Comics feed. And this episode, we're uh, looking at John Carter, issue four, cover date September 1977, release date June 21st, 1977, 30-cent cover price, just like every other issue so far. And just like every other issue so far, we are going to be starting with a splash page. Now, our team working on this book, Marv Wolfman, writer-editor, Gil Kane and Ruby Nebris, 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 they're artists. Joe Rosen is a letterer, and Andy Yankis is the colorist. And this is chapter four of The Air Pirates of Mars. So, issue number four of John Carter of Mars is called The Raiding Party. And finally, we actually are going to start to get some explanation as to why this uh, particular story arc is called The Air Pirates of Mars. Because in issue four of John Carter of Mars, we finally get some air pirates. (laughs) Just who is leading the air pirates on their raiding party? Well, it's John Carter, kind of. Uh, Last issue, John Carter was having a very bad day, and in this issue, we learned that he's been having a a very bad day all month, or maybe even longer than that. I don't don't know. I I think I missed anything in the captioning or dialogue that would have given us an indication as to how much time has passed since the end of last issue, but a lot has happened since the end of last issue. Like I said, we opened with a splash page. The splash page shows a flying warship. Finally, flying ships, flying, flying pirates. And we learn that the ship uh, belongs to Stara Khan, the uh, one-armed, or rather the uh, the robotic-armed villain of, of this story arc. And we learn that um, after the end of last issue, with John Carter still in the clutches of Stara Khan, um... Because Starcon has Deja Thoris, and he's using Deja Thoris as as leverage to keep John Carter in check. And I was, I'll admit, I was surprised to see where John Carter was at the beginning of this issue. He's just standing there on the deck of the warship. He's just standing there. And more surprises, there's no guards. There's no chains. Uh, and Starcon is able to go and gloat in front of John Carter, face-to-face with no one in between them because Starakhan still holds Deja Thoris's face and therefore holds John Carter in check. So then we have Starakhan order an attack 
on a city. And John Carter is ordered to be front and center of the raid. And he also has one other order, and that is that he is to steal a jewel, a sacred jewel from the city. Uh, as he goes into that kind of sacred temple thing to to get the jewel, he's recognized, but he still does as he's told. He steals the jewel and because he's doing all these things for Dejah Thoris. Everything he does, he does for Dejah Thoris. Everything he does, he does for her. Everything I do, I do. I must not, I will not sing. I, I am not going to sing. I promise you this. Uh, anyway, he is following Starakhan's orders for Dejah Thoris because eventually he's going to be able to strike out and rescue her and kill Starakhan. But for the time being, he's following Starakhan's orders. Uh, he will not kill, and uh, but other than that, he's going along with things. And and part of uh, doing this is that the pirates won't kill. And so you also have this kind of second element of. If he goes along with Starakhan's plans, Starakhan has promised that his men will not kill. And so you kind of have this double-edged sword, but uh, he is – he's in it, man. And um, he, so after a couple pages of um, thinking about all this, uh, John Carter, he stands in his, his ship's quarters and he, he shouts his oath. He says, by God, I will kill you, Starakhan. I will kill you. Uh, meanwhile, then we cut back to the capital and we find out kind of what's behind Starakhan's plan. And that's where uh, – because political goings-ons are going on and uh, no one can believe that John Carter is doing this. But you have a crowd of angry people who are standing below the uh, the window to the main throne room uh, and, and they're yelling. They're shouting. They believe that John Carter may have even kidnapped Asia Thoris and you also have dissenters. In the crowd, you have people who are planted in the crowd shouting out things to cause even more confusion and to cause more rumors about what John Carter has done or not done. Uh, but they're really trying to turn the people against John Carter. And in doing so, um, Tardis Moores, the leader, and who is also Dejah Thoris' father, he's pushed to follow the whims of the people and they're demanding justice for Dejah Thoris. He promises to investigate. He promises he will destroy whoever is to blame. But he just can't believe that John Carter is to blame. Meanwhile, we go back and John Carter is thinking some more expositional backstory uh, for our benefit. This time about his origin. Below the ship, we see a green man crawling across the Martian desert. And hey, it's Tars Tarkas. He's not dead. Surprise, surprise. Well, okay. Well, not really a surprise because we know he's not going to die. He can't die because he's in books that take place after this story. But um, yeah, he's down there and it's nice to see him. He's there for a couple panels as the ship flies over and then Tars Tarkas flops down into the Martian sand. And boy, I just wonder what's going to happen to him. Oh. I, I'm, I'm just in suspense. And actually, I kind of in, I'm in suspense because sometimes it's not about what happens. It's about how. You know, there are times when you watch a story or read a story and you just say to yourself, I know how this is going to end. I know the details of what's going to happen because we have to come to a place where, say, the Death Star gets destroyed before it kills the Rebellion. But the question is not so much what's going to happen, but how. And I think this might be one of those situations. 
So the ship is heading off for one final raid. But this time, the precious jewel they're going after is not a jewel, but it's a princess. A princess of the city of Zir. And Starakon tells John Carter, you will kidnap her. And John Carter refuses. But Starakon says, his men will do it anyway. They are going to go ahead and do it, whether John Carter wants to be involved or not. And his men might not be as gentle. Uh, Starakon's actual threat is, if you don't come, who knows what my more aggressive men will do to her. So, with that Comics Code Authority-approved threat hanging over him, John Carter has no choice but to concede, and so he does. So I'm going to uh, take a, a moment here before we get into what happens next to talk about uh, just how I'm feeling so far. So far, there have been some really nice twists and turns that have come out of this plot. Uh, from issue one, things that I wasn't expecting, and I'll be honest, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I figured that I'd be getting something a little bit more by the numbers, and I haven't so far. I've enjoyed the tension between John Carter and Stara Khan. I've enjoyed watching Stara Khan develop from what you think is just some random guy that, that John Carter captures to becoming really the primary antagonist or the anti-protagonist. Um, and he's a great foil for John Carter. He has uh, a realistic, or okay, maybe not realistic, but a, a relatable motivation against John Carter. He was wounded in war, and John Carter was the one who did the wounding, and Starcom was on the losing side. I'm also really liking John Carter as a character. I'm liking his motivations. His motivations are pushing him to do things that I'm not ex necessarily expecting him to do, but when he does them, they totally fit the character, and I'm really enjoying that. He's a hard-hitting, pulp action hero with a moral code and with a great love for Dejah Thoris. And yes, I know John Carter cannot die. Yes, I know Dejah Thoris cannot die. Yes, I know Tars Tarkas cannot die. But the story still has some tension for me and has had these, these plot de developments that have been very interesting to me and I've wanted to see what's going to happen next. It's not cheap storytelling. It's not cheap thrills. It's not cheap twists and turns. Everything, you know, the plot and the characters are serving each other. You have plot developments that are pushing the characters to do things and you have characters that are making choices and doing things because it's out of the, their character and not just because the story tells us we need to go there next. It's nice. It's really working well for me. I've, I've been very, 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 very surprised by John Carter, and I really wish I discovered John Carter earlier. Actually, I'm going to come back to that wish of discovering it earlier. But before we do that, um, we I'm talking about these natural plot elements that are character-driven. Well, with this next plot twist, it's not... It's a twist of plot that really is just to take us into a new place to do something new with the story. Um, it's a plot twist that, uh, even though it is serving plot alone, it causes the characters to have to make choices and choose actions that have consequences. And I'm talking about real consequences, Professor Allen and Emily. I'm not talking about consequences the, the way you uh, speak of them and... <laughs> And I think I actually, in the last episode that Professor Allen put out of his podcast, he actually used consequence as a verb. 
he said that they consequenced him or something like that. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about there, I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, you can find out by going and, and listening to the relatively geeky, uh, network of podcasts at relativelygeeky.blogspot.com where you will find the, the, uh, background behind what I'm talking about with consequences and their definition. You'll also find an awesome podcast or rather three awesome podcasts. Maybe it's four. I'm, they did something that made a minute been a fourth, but it's one feed. So I consider it just one podcast. That's just me. So anyway, back to this plot twist, the final city that they're going to be raiding is deserted. There is no one around, which makes it difficult for John Carter to find what he's looking for, because what he's looking for is a person. Uh, there is just a sound and it's described in the, the captioning as a low beckoning hum. And then it's written in the lettering uh, as a sound effect. That's just simply, which unfortunately I can't help thinking about Homer when I read that just, and I expect to see donuts at the end of that. Anyway, the pirates are spooked, but they're pushed forward by Star Khan until they find the people. And what are the people doing? They are all in line, walking into a tower that looks like it doesn't belong there, that has some sort of serpentine head that doesn't look like anything that John Carter has seen on Mars. And they are going into this tower where they are mesmerized or hypnotized or, you know, brainwashed or, you know, they're under, they're under someone else's control. And that's control is causing them to walk out onto a platform over a pit and just to fall into the pit where lurks a sickening creature. And the way Walt Marv Wolfman describes it, he says, it's a dark satanic thing beyond any creature. My imagination could have conjured a mocking blasphemy to God. And it's now mad at John Carter because he just cut in line in front of them at the edge of the thing there. And no one can get around him. Uh, and so it's this creature is down there sitting on a bed of bones and it controls the people. So it sets the people against John Carter and, and John Carter falls into the pit. He engages the creature in combat. There's tendrils and tentacles wrapping out around John Carter and sucking the life from his soul because he is also an otherworldler. And that's the thing is this creature kind of has that in common with him. We're, we're both otherworlders, it says. And, you know, he's just going to, you know, he's just expecting John Carter to let him eat him, eat his life force or whatever it is. Uh, of course, John Carter's not going to stand for that because if John Carter dies, guess who else dies? Deja Thoris. And he, so he's going to fight the creature because everything he does, he does for her. So John Carter is not under the creature's thrall, but guess who is? Stara Khan. And so the people are now jumping into the pit to fight John Carter. And John Carter realizes if he's going to get out alive, he's going to have to kill all of them. Now, he could, because he's John Carter. He's Superman. I mean, you have to remember, on Mars, he has superpowers. He can jump. He can punch. He is stronger than everyone on the planet. He basically is Superman on our world in that same way. And, uh, you know, obviously he's not, you know, he can't blow out a sun with his super breath or whatever. But he is much stronger, and he is that perfect, pulpy, barbarian warrior 
uh, with a, you know, he has, he's refined. He's a Southern gentleman as well, which is kind of a nice dichotomy. But anyway, stopping them, if he's going to live and rescue Dejah Thoris, he has to stop them. And stopping them means killing them. And killing them means killing Stara Khan. And killing Stara Khan means losing Dejah Thoris. So he has to stop the creature. So he turns and he starts fighting the creature and its tentacles are able to grab at him. He's, uh, the, the description <laughs> that Marv Wolfman uses in the captioning is his sword, uh, my sword slashing wildly at the sickening monstrosity from beyond the farthest star. And so he saves the life of the man he vowed to kill, but he does it to save Dejah Thoris. But next issue, we're told... John Carter and Stara Khan fight to the death. So a few final comments about this before we move on into our last comic book for this month of September 1977. This feels Lovecrafty. Uh, that Beyond the Farthest Star, which is put in bold in one of the last uh, panels of the book, as, he's as John Carter is describing in his narration, the creature, it feels like a Lovecrafty title. Although I was surprised to find when I was researching this to find out if it is a Lovecraft tale, that's actually an Edgar Rice Burroughs book that has that title. And it was uh, two stories that are set in another planet and I haven't read them. So I don't know how, if, how, if at all it, it ties into what the story we have here, but, um, it's two stories that were kind of in the vein of the John Carter kind of thing that never were – he never had a chance to really develop into anything else. It was just these two novellas that were put together in one book. Uh, so, the, And then the creature here also feels kind of Lovecrafty. It's It's undescribable. It's an undescribable monstrosity. There is a problem here, of course, and that is in a comic book, you have to draw the creature. And if you can draw it, you can describe it. <laughs> And this is this would have been a great chance to just let the art speak. The creature is good. It looks good. It looks scary if it was real, but it also has this kind of otherworldly unrealness to it. Uh, it's perfect for the tone of the book. It's perfect for the setting of the book. It's perfect for the style of the book. Here's the thing. What makes Lovecraft's works work is that when he says something can't be described – it adds to the horror of his stories because you're not seeing anything. You're just um, reading about it. And and it adds to just the tone. It adds to the atmosphere of the story. Again, going back to Jaws, okay, which I didn't expect to go back to Jaws twice in, in one episode. But going back to Jaws, that's part of what made the horror work is you didn't see the shark. Going to Alien. That's part of what makes the horror, the horror work is you didn't see it. And, you know, that's a different situation where you have a robotic shark and you have a man in a suit. And as soon as you can tell that it's a robotic shark or a man in a suit, it takes away from the, the magic of it. And the same thing here, you know, uh, to say it's indescribable, then maybe we should have never seen it on the page. I don't know if that would have worked very well. And that would be an interesting experiment to try is to, to try and do a, a Lovecraftian type of, of of creature that in a comic book that you never actually see it's just implied but anyway I, I maybe I'm nitpicking a little bit here but um, you know these are my observations of the story and like I said I still want to know what happens next so it's obviously not too terrible uh, the other thing is the ending feels rushed 
uh, we spent a lot of time in flashback. We spent a lot of time in the raids, uh, you know, setting everything up. This honestly could have been two issues. I think one issue is just all the raiding, and then they come to a, this um, the city that's empty, and then the next issue could have been the mystery of this empty city, and and you know, then the battle with the the creature. But you know, that, that again, a minor nitpick. The bottom line. I'm enjoying John Carter, Warlord of Mars, far more than I expected to. And speaking of expectations, um, this episode now must come to an end, as you might expect happens with every podcast episode. Next episode of the Marvel Cosmic Comics feed on the comicbooktimemachine.com, an unexpected and pleasant surprise. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, I've kept it a secret for this long. You think I'm going to reveal it here? Uh, if you figured it out, great. But if not, you're in for a treat. I think. I hope. Kind of. I felt like it was a treat for me anyway.